Gochere, within his sight. Within his sight. And that is a capital H, so it's within Lord Varaha's sight. Vinyasya, uh, Vinyasya, having placed, Tasya, to the earth, Adadhat, he invested, Sva, his own, Sattvam, existence, Avishtutaha, praised, Vishvasrija, by Brahma, the creator of the universe, Prasunai, by flowers, Apuryamana, becoming satisfied, Vibhudhai, by the demigods, Pashataha, while looking on, Hooray, the enemy. Translation, this is still Maitreya. Started with Maitreya, it's still, still going. Oh. Yeah. yeah. But all the Hiranyaksha has already addressed the Lord. Uh, translation The Lord placed the earth within his sight on the surface of the water and transferred to her his own energy in the form of the ability to float on the water. While the enemy looked stood excuse me, while the enemy stood looking on, Brahma, the creator of the universe, extolled the Lord. Extolled means praised. Praise the Lord. And the other demigods rained flowers on him. Please repeat, the Lord placed the earth within his sight. The Lord placed the earth within his sight. On the surface of the water, and transferred to her his own energy, and transferred to her in the form of the ability to float on the water. While the enemy stood looking on, Brahma, the creator of the universe, extolled the Lord. And the other demigods rain flowers on him. Those who are demons cannot understand how the Supreme Personality of God had floated the earth on water. But to devotees of the Lord, this is not a very wonderful act. Wonderful meaning is not very surprising. Not only the earth, but many, many millions of planets are floating in the air. <clears throat> and this floating power is endowed upon them by the Lord. And here's a real theistic sentence. There is no other possible explanation. Because non-theists will have so many explanations. There is no other possible explanation how the earth could float on water. The materialist can, and then Prabhupada, anticipating the objection, says, the materialist can explain that the planets are floating by the law of gravitation. But the law of gravitation 
works under the control or direction of the Supreme Lord. As soon as we say law, we have to think of who's the lawmaker, right? But that doesn't really occur to the materialist. That is the version of Bhagavad Gita, which confirms by the Lord's statement that behind the material laws or nature's laws and behind growth, maintenance, production, and evolution of all the planetary systems, behind everything is the Lord's direction. The Lord's activity, what do they call it today? Intelligent design, right? That's what the Christians had this intelligent design movement is the Lord's direction. The Lord's activities could be appreciated only by the demigods headed by Brahma. And therefore, when they saw the uncommon prowess of the Lord in keeping the earth on the surface of the water, they showered flowers on him in appreciation of his transcendental activity. I was born in the darkest ignorance, and my spiritual master is kindly opening my eyes. With the torch of knowledge, I offer my respectful obeisances unto him. So I call this verse the divine and demonic visions. Uh, because when people with different natures see the same thing, um, they take it in differently. So the first line. Uh, it says, the Lord transferred his energy to enable Mother Earth to flow. That's uh, what Maitreya is saying. So he's a great Rishi, and he has divine vision, so he's seeing behind this phenomenon uh, a personal cause. And then he says, Vinyasyatasyam uh, which means, let's see, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, I, I got ahead of myself there. So, yeah, so it's it's Krishna's energy that's making it float. Now, while well, the demon, so what is the only thing that it says about Hiranyaksha here? It says, uh, Yeah, Pashyataha. It means um, he just stood there and looked. He didn't, he didn't have much a reaction. Lord Brahma, you know, the number, the original living being in the universe, he's praising Krishna like anything for doing this. You know, just because the scene is that uh, Hiranyaksha has come to, to meet his match. To find somebody who could really give him a good fight. So he didn't know this would be his last, his last fight, but he was really uh, intrigued by the idea that, that somebody could actually fight with him. And he didn't really hear what Varuna said. Yeah, you're going to get a good fight, and then after the fight, your body will be 
good for dogs and vultures. So Hiranyaksha didn't really take heed of that. Um, so, uh, so the demigods are showing flowers, Lord Brahma is offering praises. Meanwhile, Hiranyaksha just, uh, is looking at it. He doesn't see anything miraculous in it. So that reminded me of a quote. I looked it up and confirmed it. No less than uh, a scientist than Albert Einstein said this. You might have heard the quote. It's a famous quote. There are only two ways to live your life. As though nothing is a miracle, and as though, or as though everything is a miracle. So when we choose to uh, have demonic visions, we don't see anything as wonderful and miraculous. We don't see any uh, supreme consciousness behind it all. We just, it's just, why? Because the demonic vision, it's, this is all here for me to exploit. He's just looking at it, you know, planning the next uh, uh, exploitation of the, of the energy. Whereas the divine vision is, wow, this is amazing. Everything's amazing. The fact that I'm alive is amazing. The fact that anything exists is amazing. Yes. So as Prabhupada said in the first sentence, he says, those who are demons cannot understand how the Supreme Personality of Godhead floated the earth on water. But to devotees of the Lord, this is not a very wonderful act. So the non-miraculous, envious vision can't understand how planets can float on water or in space. They just, they just sort of, it's a given for them. It's a given, it's a given for their meditation and contemplation and how they can exploit it. But divine vision appreciates the wonderful potency of God. Now Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita as Prabhupada makes an allusion here. Uh, this is the version of Bhagavad Gita, which confirms by the Lord's statement that behind the material laws are nature's laws, and behind the growth, maintenance, production, and evolution of all the planets and systems, behind everything is the Lord's direction. So that's a famous general verse. What's the general verse from the Gita? Maya Yakshin. This Maya, this ever-changing illusory energy, Akshena, it's, it's under my supervision. It's not just happening automatically. But there's a more specific verse about how Krishna, how about how the planets are floating. Does anybody know that one? There's a more specific verse in Gita than Krishna's general supervision about how the planets are floating. You know that? From the Yoga of the Supreme Person, chapter 15. Huh? Yes, very good. So it's, I actually used that verse a few weeks ago um, for the second part of the verse, which talks about how he becomes the moon and nourishes the vegetables and makes them juicy. But this is, this is the first half of the verse. Now let's go to that. It's chapter 15, which is uh, called the Yoga of the Supreme Person, Purushottam Yoga. Yeah, the same word here, Gam, the earth. And because it's a it's a, an inflection of the word go, which can also mean round. Yeah. So here's the same word here. Krishna says in fifteen thirteen, Gama So that's the first 
full Sanskrit line, the first two transliterated Roman lines. And last time, I, I just picked up on the, on the last two lines, or the second full Sanskrit line, which is all about the juice of life, the moon. But this, Prabhupada spends more time on. And so that segment means, I enter into each planet. And by my energy, they stay in orbit. It's not just by chance or, or some speculative or, or some, they say the law of gravitation. But now Prabhupada's going to address that. Okay, so in the purport, most of the purport is about this first line. Uh, yeah, here we go. It is understood that all the planets are floating in the air only by the energy of the Lord. The Lord enters into every atom, every planet, and every living being. That is discussed in the Brahma Samhita. It is said there that one plenary portion of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Paramatma, enters into the planets, the universe, the living entity, and even into the atom. And we're going to look at that verse too. Uh, yeah. So due to his entrance, everything is appropriately manifested. When the spirit soul is there, a living man can float on the water. So that's how this body can float, because it's animated by the aparaprakriti, the spiritual spark. But when the, when the living spark is out of the body and the body is dead, the body sinks. Of course, when it is decomposed, it floats, it comes up again, just like straws and other things. But as soon as the man is dead, he at once sinks in the water. Similarly, all these planets are floating in space. And this is due to the entrance of the supreme energy of the supreme personality of God. The word is ojas, which um, is another interesting word in Ayurveda. Every, ojas refers to the vital potency in a living being. Um, let's see. His energy is sustaining each planet, just like a handful of dust. If someone holds a handful of dust, there is no possibility of the dust falling. But if one throws it in the air, it will fall down. Similarly, these planets, which are floating in the air, are actually held in the fist of the universal form of the Supreme Lord. By his strength and energy, all moving and non-moving things stay in their place. It is said in the Vedic hymns, that because of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the sun is shining and the planets are steadily moving. Were it not for him, all the planets would scatter like dust in air and perish. And then Prabhupada goes into the, the juice of life that the moon supplies. So let's look at the Brahma Sangita verse because, or first of all, let's look at the, uh, the law of gravity. I looked at the law of gravitation. So it's just very dry. Because, of course, they don't really know where that... It's just a phrase, right? They don't know the lawmaker. They don't know the mystic energy of the Supreme. Newton's Law of Gravitation. From Wikipedia, everybody's favorite. Newton's Law of Gravitation states that every particle attracts every other particle in the universe with a force which is directly proportional to the product of their masses and inversely proportional to the square of the distance between their centers. In other words, in other words, the closer you get to a body, like uh, 
closer you get to another body, then you're going to come under the gravitational pull of, of that of that planet. Uh, and similarly, okay, what does it say here? This is another. This is a general physical law derived from empirical observations by what Isaac Newton called inductive reasoning. So that's exactly what we don't do. Inductive reasoning means we start with our own pea brain and then we try to you know, ascend to the truth. And because the truth is actually inconceivable and it's a person, the truth is a person, we can never really uh, grasp it because Krishna is, he's only pleased when we surrender him and then he reveals himself to us. That's the detective process that comes down from Krishna. It is part is a part of classical mechanics and was formulated in Newton's work. This is a famous book, Philosophy Naturalis Principia Mathematica, first published on 5th July, 1687. Uh, let's see. Hmm. Uh, let's see what else. I just want to... I'm going to give an, an equation for it, too. So they can describe it externally, long story short. They can describe it externally, but then you don't really get into the whys of it all. Why? Why is the is because of the presence of the spirit spark, as we know, is everything integral in the body, just like uh, Dr. Kandark, he has what's the name of it, integral medicine? Integral medicine? Yeah, so he's treating the patient holistically. He knows that everything's connected. And he also knows, most importantly, that there is an Atma. There is a different category of energy animating the whole machine. And without knowing that, you can't really uh, have a holistic view of everything. Okay, so here we go. In today's purport, so they talk about gravity, you know, the law of gravity, the law of attraction, but they don't know why it's. Hang on, let's get rid of this. Yeah, why it's attractive. Um, just like Chris's arrangement this morning, when I was getting ready to come to the temple, I was here at Prabhupada. He was arriving, he had just arrived in Paris. It's June 8th, 1974. And the, the devotees are welcoming him back because the year previous, one year previous, he had installed out of Paris Ishwar. And uh, he was saying, it's very nice. I see Radha Paris Ishwar living, being nicely taken care of. But then most of the address, he, he talks about foolish material materialists. And the, whole, the reason he was doing that is because at the end, the punchline was, so don't again become like them. He was talking about the demonic vision, that everything is just, uh, you know, the push, the push and pull of, of molecules and atoms. And that's, that's foolish. And he was saying, just, as, just like in this body, there is a, a spirit spark animating the body. And that's why we can walk and talk and, and that's why all these uh, systems are going on, even without our you know, conscious control. Because in the body also, Krishna is there. He's the overseer, he's the permitter, he's uh, the ultimate doer. And, he, and then he says, so just as we are inhabiting the body, and Chris is inhabiting the body, so similarly the whole universe is a body. 
And this, he said, in the second canto, we find out the body, you can uh, imagine it to be like the Lord's body, because the Lord has actually entered into each and every universe as Garbhoda Kashai Vishnu. And uh, even in the 19th century, when the first American transcendentalists were reading the Gita, it wasn't as it is, but they were getting something from it, from Sir William Jones, who was the British translator. So they were amazed uh, by the Gita, even though it wasn't as it is. And so Emerson, he was one, of, he was the big Emerson and Thoreau. So he, you see, he developed this theory from reading the Gita uh, that there was, there was something called, a, that he was saying, there's an oversoul. There's an oversoul in the universe that's, overse that's overseeing and, and uh, disposing of everything as time and as all the forces of nature. So Prabhupada was saying, so don't become, don't, please don't become again like the foolish materialist. And he said, so what is, the, what is the definition of a demon, of a materialist? And then he referred to uh, Bhagavad Gita, chapter 7, text 15, where Krishna describes four kinds of demoniac mentalities. So this just the gross, foolish person who can only see gross manner. Prapadyante naradama, or people who are exploiting them because they're so dull, but still materialists. Mayaya paruttagyana. So people whose knowledge are stolen by illusion, they have so much apparent knowledge of the material energy that they don't uh, ascribe any, they don't see the intelligence and the beauty and the plan uh, behind it and the design behind it. Asuram bhavamashita, or out and out you know, dot-in-the-wall uh, professional atheists. They just make a whole career out of denying the existence of God. So I thought that was significant. Papa was arriving in Paris, and he sees Paris Ishwara, very beautiful deities, but then he just spends the whole time talking about the demoniac mentality and begging the devotees not to, not to become demons again. Because he was saying, yes, in France, you have perfected the art of sense enjoyment. <laughs> French are known for their sensual, their sensuality. And your best friend is, uh, in French, they say, le chien and le chat, right? Cats and dogs. <laughs> so don't become cats and dogs again. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, so without appreciating Krishna's inconceivable power, the materialist is left with dry external descriptions of Newton's law of gravity. Lord Brahma, by contrast, Lord Brahma's miraculous vision of Krishna in the Brahma Samhita 535 provides an internal understanding of gravity's attractive power. It's Krishna. He's the all-attractive person who's not only breathed out the universes, but he enters into each universe and he enters into each atom. So that's Brahma Samhita. And we're going to have Jirodhara give us that verse. It starts uh, Eko. 535, you know, the Eko. Eko, Pyasal. Oh, Eko, Pyasal. So, Krishna, he's everything, and he's entering into everything. And he's more than everything. He's where everything comes from. So, here's what Srila Bhakti Siddhanta 
translated this. And he also, the purports are his translations of Jiva Goswami's purports, correct? I think. Srila Bhakti Siddhanta, these are his translations and translation of Jiva Goswami's purports. I, no, I don't know about that. No, I think Bhakti Siddhanta said that's why he wrote the first one. Oh, he wrote the first one. Okay. But he didn't take credit for it. Oh. But he wrote it. Okay. Because that's clearly his, his language. phraseology. Well, that's his phraseology, but I thought I read that Jiva Goswami gave reports in Sanskrit. Okay. So here is Saraswati Thakur's translation of this. And here is a real scientist. He, capital H, Krishna, is an undifferentiated entity, as there is no distinction between potency and the possessor thereof. So it's like the sun and the sunshine. Right? You can't have one without the other. In his work of creation of millions of worlds, his potency remains inseparable. inseparable. All the universes exist in him, and he is present in his fullness in every one of the atoms that are scattered throughout the universe at one and the same time, such as the primeval Lord whom I adore. Now that's inconceivable, that everything comes from him, and yet he can enter in his fullness into every atom, and everything is present fully in him, even as he does that. It's like Mother Jashoda, right? Looking at Krishna's mouth and seeing all the universes of the whole universe in Mother Jashoda's mouth, in Krishna's mouth, and she's thinking, and then she saw herself inside, and she's thinking, wait, I'm outside Krishna, but I'm seeing myself inside Krishna. What is this? So Krishna is inconceivable. So Saraswati Thakur's uh, explanation is this. Krishna is the highest of all entities. In him is an entity, which is termed chit, spiritual, which is distinct from the principle of limitation. So... Everything about Krishna's potency is unlimited. He can do anything. By his inconceivable power, he can at will create numberless universes. <clears throat> All the mundane universes owe their origin to the transformation of his external potency. So all the universes are just a transformation of Krishna's inferior energy, inferior in a sense, his external energy. Again, his abode is beyond human conception, since all worlds, limited and spiritual, chit, exist in him, and he resides simultaneously in his fullness and entirety in all the atoms of the worlds. All, see, that's inconceivable. He exists, in, and he resides simultaneously in his fullness and entirety in all the atoms of all the worlds. <laughs> that's beyond the mind. All, per all pervasiveness is only a localized aspect of the majesty of Krishna, the Lord of all. Though he is all pervasive, yet in his existence and everywhere in a medium shape consists his spiritual lordship beyond human conception. So everything is coming from Krishna, but he can also be present, right? Like in a proper, say, medium size. The deity is medium size, so you can worship him. You can feed him, dress him, like that. This argument favored, this is the last line. This is how he sums it up. This argument favors the doctrine of simultaneous, inconceivable, distinction, and non-distinction. 
everything is Krishna, or Krishna is everything, but everything isn't Krishna, right? And knocks down the contaminating Mayavad and other allied doctrines, so they only <laughs> accept, <laughs> they only accept that everything is one, but they don't get the difference. They don't uh, want to exchange in rasa, in relationship. Okay. So, yes. All right, I'm going to read the verse again. And if you have any questions or comments, I'm sure it's all inconceivable. So I won't <laughs> answer. Translation. Okay, now here, you know, the drama is that as Atul Prabhu was reading, you know, uh, Hiranyaksha has been chasing the Lord. He's, he's been seeking him out. And then he finds him in the depths because the Lord has just gone down, uh, just appropriate form in, in, the, in the nether regions of the universe and lift him up, up the earth on his tusks. And now Hiranyaksha is, in, is, is really challenging him and, and speaking bad words. And so, uh, and so the Lord's not disturbed, but he doesn't want to disturb. He's just come to save the earth. So he knows before he turns his attention to the fight now, the big fight, he very carefully puts the earth underwater. And she floats by his potency. Okay. Um, and that's what's coming up next. Okay, so the Lord placed the earth within his sight on the surface of the water and transferred to her his own energy in the form of the ability to float on the water. While the enemy stood looking on, that's all it is. Brahma, the creator of the universe, extolled the Lord. This is wonderful. And the other demigods rained flowers on him, and they showed their, they praised the Lord by showering flowers. Uh, before I raise your hand, I just heard a, a wonderful, uh, who was it? It was. One of my god sisters, I'm, not, I'm watching the memory series. And uh, who was it? It was either uh, Balabi, Balabanta's wife. I forget exactly. Anyway, she said, and then she was describing how Prabhupada arrived in, in a temple where she was. And, uh, and how at one point, I think it was LA, because the ladies from the balcony would shower flowers, right? Yeah. And so. <laughs> And so, uh, uh, so the the lady who was describing said, and the and the flowers coming down at Prapa, they were like, you know, like they were we were throwing them at him hard, and they were bouncing off his face, you know, like bullets or something, <laughs> boom, boom. But she said, but Prapa didn't bat an eye. He was just he was receiving them uh, as. Uh, like flowers of love, even though they were hitting him hard, you know. <laughs> so uh, it's all in, in the consciousness. So similarly, you know, when Hiranyaksha is throwing, hurling these insults, these, these sharp words, he's not, he doesn't take them seriously. Because for one thing, Hiranyaksha, deep, deep down, is his devotee, is a gatekeeper who's come to fight. So now, now here we are, here's the, here's the moment of truth. And uh, so though he's not, he doesn't take it seriously. He's always just nonchalantly puts the earth in the water and invests the earth with the potency to float. 
It's like the stones, the laka right there, where they believe the potency of the flows. I believe that was done by Varuna, wasn't it? Because she at first didn't respond to the call of, of Rama and Anuras to allow them the passage across the laka. And then Lord Rama, he just looked at the water, hot, red hot eyes, and whoa, <laughs> so Varuna came up. And so I believe in the text, in the Ramayana, it says that he allowed the stones to float. Yeah. So. And, okay, Prabhu. A couple things, because your class is so inspiring. Uh, <clears throat> so many inspiring ideas came to mind, but this word extols, Rama extols the Lord. Um, this is a word that I just looked it up at the definition that was just dripping with bhakti. Wow. I'll read you some of them. Praise enthusiastically. Go into raptures about. Wax lyrical about. Sing the praises of. Praise to the sky. Heap praises on. Eulogize. Rhapsodize over. Rave about. Enthuse about over. Gush about. Gush over. Throw bouquets at. Throw flowers. That's right. Wow. Uh, express delight over. Acclaim. Go wild about. Be mad about. Go on about. Loud. Panegyrize. Yeah, An example they gave us: nutritionists have long extolled the virtues of rice. <laughs> <laughs> so Webster had to bring it down to something like that. <laughs> yeah, originally everything is, is meant to praise the Lord. That's so Krishna consciousness is so filled with bhakti, this word. <laughs> because this is all the things the devotees do about Krishna and about Prabhupada. So it's quite that's why I don't use the word anymore. It's still it's too it's too spiritual. <laughs> Yeah. What's its origin? Uh, it sounds like Latin. X, X. X is from Latin. Yeah. X still. Yep. Yes. As devotees, of course, we are accustomed to see Krishna everywhere and see every living entity as a person and from spirit soul. But like for an average, um, they. You know, it just sounds like just, you know, the, the planets just float. That's just what they do. Right. No one did it. That's hogwash. And it just seems so. That's why, that's why that quote from Einstein is so great. I mean, Einstein is such a scientific brain. Did you hear it? You want to hear it again? It's great. Um, as Einstein observed, though there are only two ways to live your life. As though nothing is a miracle, just is, man. Or as though everything is a miracle. So Einstein is seeing a higher intelligence, a higher beauty, power, design. So at Krapa would, would use the phrase dull. <laughs> this is what Kali Yuga does to us. It makes us very dull to uh, reality. Yeah. So personalism. 
Personalism. Personalism is, yeah, you see. Because it's just nature. Right. Who's yeah. nature? Who's controlling the nature? Who's creating the nature? Yeah. No, it's just nature. They just see the secondary cause. They just see something happening. Oh, yeah, they said that big yellow ball up in the sky. That's, that's Krishna's eye. When it's seen, right? It's an eye of Krishna. <laughs> I heard this interview on the radio with uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Who's that? Big demon scientist. (laughs) (laughs) And he was saying, somebody asked about astrology. And he says, to think that anything, that you have any significance or meaning in your life is completely foolish. (laughs) And to think that anything is, and this is a very dumb thing to say for a scientist, because even scientists will say everything's interconnected. Yeah. That anything in the universe could have any bearing or meaning on your insignificant life is just foolishness and hoping against hope. The complete demon philosophy he was expounding. Yeah. Revealed. He was revealed by his attitude. Yeah, because you strip the universe. That's not science. That's a point of view. That's that's a that's a point of view that's trying to set himself up as paid for that's a that's a invested point of view. Yeah. Anyway, this is what ha- this is telling you that we become very dull, very dense. We don't see anything miraculous about anything, and that's why it gets worse. You know, I mean, now it's you know, the golden age is coming, in, and there's a revival of this divine vision. But uh, yeah, by the end of Kali Yuga, it's so everybody's so dense. Only, only, only preaching is to cut off their heads because <laughs> their heads are useless now. There's no more brain left. Uh, but what really struck me was how Prabhupada was really begging the devotees. He had just come and installed the deities the previous year. They were going to be very nice, but he's just begging them, don't go back to being a demon again. Because Prabhupada knew this is very likely to happen. Uh, Okay, suitable five. Pizza. about the Pizza. This is your last class, right? No, I have one more class on Sunday, and it's it's called how to spiritualize your summer vacation. We're writing a And it's Christmas arrangement. I still.